0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and guest and do not reflect the views of all parent centers or statewide family networks. This podcast does not provide legal or medical advice. No guarantee is given regarding any statements or opinions provided and is for informational and support purposes only.
1: Welcome back to PEP Talks. I'm Carly Murray, Program Coordinator in Vada PEP. Today, I'm joined by Stephanie Giroux, an Associate Professor at UNLV, and we're going to talk today about behavior issues. Stephanie, can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So hi, my name is Stephanie Giroux, and I'm currently an Associate Professor at UNLV, in the early childhood multilingual and special education department i work primarily in the special education and early childhood special education programs i'm originally from houston texas my husband and i moved to las vegas about a year ago now and we have a 2 year old and we're really enjoying living in las vegas we really love the transition in my work i teach special education teachers and people who are training to become behavior analysts or board certified behavior analysts so working with students who will work with children with developmental disabilities. My research and the work I do outside of teaching is related to teaching parents to implement evidence-based practices with their children. Most of that work is work with children diagnosed with a developmental delay or disability, including autism, intellectual disability, and similar disabilities.
1: Awesome. Thank you. It's great that you come from that perspective of You know, you're a professional, you have all the education, but you're also a parent, so you see it from the parent side as well.
0: I was in this work before being a parent. Being a parent has been a fun and humbling experience, (laughs) so it's been really great. So parents often call Nevada PEP with concerns
1: about their child's behavior. Often they want to know why their child might be having a certain behavior, or even if the behavior is normal or developmentally appropriate. In your experience, what are the most common reasons that elementary age children have challenging behaviors?
0: Yeah, because you mentioned what is developmentally appropriate and even taking a step back there. So I know families might not always know challenging behavior, problem behavior, Some people just use the word behaviors in case parents are wondering, you know, what are people talking about? We're usually talking about children who are engaging in things like aggression that could be hitting, kicking, things like that. We also see the categories of self-injury sometimes that might be something like a child hitting their own head or hitting another part of their body. We see less severe forms as well, like um, what we might call disruptive behaviors. That's probably by far the most common thing we see. Um, That can be things like just talking out in class, yelling, screaming, maybe throwing something, those types of things. We might also call them tantrums. So we see a lot of different types of challenging behaviors. So I just wanted to mention this. So there's a really big umbrella of what we, if we're in the education field, often call challenging behavior. So these behaviors are developmentally appropriate at certain ages. We all know the common phrase, terrible twos. We've all heard about kids engaging in certain problem behaviors, challenging behaviors at certain points in their life. So they are common and developmentally appropriate at certain ages. It's Hard to tell when things become not developmentally appropriate. That's where talking to other people who are working with your child can really help you figure out if it is something that's developmentally appropriate or maybe something a little more severe or consistent than what would be developmentally appropriate. And that's the um, criteria that we often look at. Is the challenging behavior happening more frequently or more often than we would anticipate for another child that age? That might be a red flag. Okay, this might not be a developmentally appropriate behavior for for the child at this age. And then is the other question we often ask is, is is it more severe than what we would expect for a child at this age? Is it kind of more or bigger or more difficult than what we would expect at this age? And again, that's just um, something you can watch your child and see, and then also talking with other professionals. But a kind of often thing that we go by is, especially as your child ages, if it's something that's consistent and is interfering with your daily routines or the child's daily routines or the child's learning of new skills, then we would start to kind of have a little bit of a worry that that is a problem behavior or challenging behavior we might want to start working on. Great. Those are some really good tips as far as when to know something is a problem and when parents should be concerned about it. So this second part of your question, um, I will answer too. So by far the most common reason we see is that children are trying to communicate their wants and needs with the people around them. And their challenging behavior is the way that they're trying to communicate that right now. Often what we see is children are trying to communicate that they want something, they want a toy or they want activity. So that could be playing with their favorite things or getting their favorite foods. That might also be playing with their favorite people or getting attention from their favorite people. And we often think any kind of attention sometimes is worthwhile to the child or children, like sometimes any type of attention. So they might be trying to seek that out from either an adult or one of their peers. And then sometimes we see that children are trying to communicate that they don't want something, so that they want something to stop or they want something to end or change in some way. So we can think of like an easy way to think about this as the child might be trying to tell you I want with their challenging behavior, or they might be trying to tell you no or don't do that. And that it kind of feels contradictory because those are opposite phrases. But when we watch and see what kinds of situations that they're occurring in, that can help us figure out why the child is engaging in the challenging behavior. Another thing that children might communicate for is that they want something in a certain way. So we see some children have what we might call like an, an insistence on routine or or a particular way of doing things or a way they like something. And in that case, sometimes they engage in challenging behavior to maintain that way of doing something. So they might have a certain way. They like to play with a toy or a certain way that they like to get ready. And if that's disrupted, then they might be engaging in challenging behavior to say, I don't want that disrupted. I want to keep doing it the way that I like to do it. Oh, and then a fourth that I would like to mention is, again, for some of our children who who do like that predictability or routine, which is a lot of children, and I understand certainly as well because I like predictability and routine, sometimes an unusual change in schedule can be related to challenging behavior. So a child might experience a change in schedule or something that's unpredictable. So sometimes we see that a child experiences an unpredictability or a lack of pattern in their schedule, and they might be engaging in challenging behavior to communicate to us that they would prefer their schedule to be, you know, back to the more predictable. So those are the common reasons we see um, challenging behavior occurring, saying, I want that, um, no, I don't want that, or I want to do it my way or a certain way, and then sometimes this is a an unpredictable routine, and that's not my favorite thing.
1: Thanks, Stephanie. When you were saying about routines, that really reminded me of my son who does not deal well with changes in routine or really any change at all. That reminded me when you're talking to parents who have a child with a disability, say they have autism or maybe a developmental delay, how does
0: that affect their behaviors? That's a great question. So a lot of developmental disabilities and related disabilities that we see affect communication and social interactions. And so the the children that I work with and the children educators work with who have a developmental delay, developmental disability, intellectual disability, autism, or similar diagnoses might have those deficits in communication. And when we see that, we see that the skills related to appropriate communication and it being easy to engage in appropriate communication sometimes aren't there yet, or we need to teach them. And so children, since they are having difficulty telling us what they want or what they want to stop or change, or that they want the same routine, they're having difficulty communicating that with us in an appropriate manner because they haven't been taught the skills yet or haven't gotten the support to communicate that in the appropriate manner. So in those cases, we see children are using their challenging behavior to communicate what they would like to happen in the world around them. And so that's where a lot of the strategies that we target heavily are teaching Communication skills and making that communication easier for children so that they choose to engage in communication instead of engaging in challenging behavior. So that's the big thing that we see is that the way that the disability has affected their communication results in relying on challenging behavior. If parents
1: see that their child is exhibiting these challenging behaviors, maybe at home or at school or in the community, what are some ways that parents can address that?
0: Yeah, so that's a great question. One thing I think that is an a great strategy to just try or to encourage at all times is when you see your child having a difficult time and that challenging behavior usually indicates your di- your child's having a difficult time something's difficult about the situation for your child, so I always try to remember that that the child who's currently engaging in challenging behavior is something is difficult or something's not great about the situation from their perspective, and so I think trying to watch and see. What's not great about the situation to that child? And then how can I encourage them to communicate in this situation? So if your child is engaging in challenging behavior, or it's a situation where they might engage in challenging behavior because they want to play with a certain thing, or they want a certain food, then in those situations, really targeting, okay, let's communicate to get that in an appropriate manner. And that could be a full sentence. That could also be a phrase, a one word phrase. Um, that could be a picture card or a communication device, or that could be sign language. So one big thing as we're trying to teach children new communication is to remember, we want to teach something that's easy for the child based on their current skill level. As I said before, the situation that we're talking about, if it's a situation that's associated with challenging behavior, is one that's difficult for the child. So when we're teaching a new skill in that situation, we want to make sure we're teaching them a skill that is easy for them because they're already in a situation that's difficult. So what we're trying to replace challenging behavior with, we want it to be an easy type of communication for them. So always try in those situations, teaching communication that's well within the current skills that the child has, teaching something that's will be easy for the child to learn. If your child's consistently engaging in challenging behavior, then um, one thing I often talk with parents about is watching what are those situations? What's the consistent situation, which is this is occurring. So we mentioned trying to stop an activity. So if there's an activity that your child doesn't like, or doesn't like the way that it's occurring, then we might see it happen over and over again during that activity. And that can help you learn what might Child is trying to communicate here, and what I need to teach them to communicate. And then we'll teach them consistently, encouraging them to use that communication and showing them that communication changes that routine in the way that the child wants that routine changed is a really great thing. Uh, One thing we talked about earlier is changes in routines, and that can be really difficult. So, again, encouraging communication from your child and also encouraging communication to your child. So, we often use things like visual schedules to show children what the routine is going to look like for that day or what part of a routine might look like for that day and to communicate changes in the routine. It could be a visual schedule. That just means picture cards. It could also be a written schedule if if your child is reading written words. For our children who have difficulty with changes in routines, one thing we can do is try to communicate that change to the child and then also encourage the child to communicate their preferences within routines as well one way to do that would be what we might call a visual schedule or a picture schedule where every item on the schedule for that day is represented by a picture that the child learns is associated with those different things. So like you could have a picture for getting ready in the morning. You could have a picture for a grocery store, um for going out to eat somewhere, for what dinner might be at home. That would be what an example of a, a visual schedule. and that can help children who like to maintain routine, learn what the routine is for that day and anticipate any changes in routine. And then if your child is having difficulty with that change in routine, talking through and teaching them communication strategies. Sometimes there are just changes in the routine that we all have to be okay with, but sometimes we can also encourage the child to make choices within those changes. Like, okay, well the routine will be changed today, but tell me what you want to do first or how you want to do this thing. Those choices might help encourage your child to communicate more, again, to not rely on that challenging behavior to communicate their preferences. So those are a few examples. We talked a lot about changes in routine. I'll give an example of if your child is trying to ask for a certain activity, then teaching them to, then in the situations that they want that activity, we would really encourage communication. So And I'm using activity very broadly that could be playing with something that could be going and doing something that could be a certain type of food, but we would teach them to ask for that routine or activity, and then make sure that they're getting that routine or activity when they are asking nicely and appropriately um, in whichever way we've taught them. You've
1: mentioned helping the child communicate. Does that mean that if I want the behavior to stop, I have to just give my child whatever they want?
0: That is such a great question, and we get that concern pretty often when we're working on teaching children to communicate to replace challenging behavior. It does not mean that you have to give your child what they want when they want it all of the time. It does, however, mean that the child needs to learn that their appropriate communication works and to the extent possible that engaging in challenging or problem behaviors isn't an effective way to get what they want. So the way we teach that is to teach that communication. So a lot of times we have to do things like tell the child what to say, and then they'll repeat it back to you or teach them how to use a sign or a picture, a communication device. So first we want to make sure we teach them the skill. And then they have to learn that that communication works. So when they do use the communication, especially at the beginning, when you're first working on communication for something, and keep in mind, I always go back to this is a situation that's difficult for the child. When we're trying to learn communication in a situation that's difficult, or when the child's trying to learn communication in a situation that's difficult, we have to teach them really consistently to the extent possible that their communication is going to work in that Situation. And for the child, what that means is that their communication gets them what they want. So when you're first trying these strategies, really make sure to the extent possible that the child is getting that activity or stopping that activity based on their communication really consistently. Then once they are consistently learning that this communication works, and once that's been going well, they're communicating. Um, hopefully at some point on their own for their wants and needs, and then that you also see that the challenging behavior has decreased in those situations, then you can start introducing things like, well, these are the times that we can do this activity, and these are the times that we aren't able to do this activity, and slowly introducing those types of things, or slowly introducing things like taking turns or, um, well, we can do it your way now, but then we need to do it my way in a minute. You can start introducing some of those new rules and, and things for the most part after the child's consistently learned that communication. That's the ideal scenario. However, I know that we all live in the real world where sometimes whatever the child wants to do just isn't available or they just aren't able to do it in the way that they want to do it. Sometimes the answer really is no, no matter how nicely you ask. And so that's something that um, children just do have to learn sometimes. So sometimes the answer will be no, even when the child communicates because that's what's available. But my suggestion is always when children are first learning to communicate appropriately, that the answer is yes, as much as possible until that communication gets really consistent. Where we have to be careful is certain things that, Think of like personal hygiene that some children don't love, um, but that really has to get done on a daily basis. And that's where you might have to work more on communicating for choices and communicating for how you want to do it or when or building up over time, things like that, because you know, every day child really needs to brush their teeth. So if that's the routine that's really difficult, that's where you might have to think about some different things to teach the child to communicate for one caveat too, it can be really difficult in those situations to honor the communication requests, but that's where those kind of more complex situations. If you're seeing really consistent, challenging behavior, um, that's where working with a professional can be helpful too to learn some, some other strategies in those situations. Perfect. And you know, that
1: leads right into the next question I wanted to ask you. You mentioned the answer can't always be yes. There are some things that have to be a hard note. And I was thinking as you were explaining all of this, that it sounds like it's going to take some time to build these communication skills and to learn how to yeah. communicate the child's wants and needs. But sometimes behaviors may cause an immediate safety concern. You know, if the child's running into the street or injuring themselves or someone else, what would your suggestion be in those cases?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The first part of your question wasn't a question, but I'm going to kind of answer it a little bit and to say that as far as timing goes, I think it's important for us to always remember that just like forming new habits takes time for us, learning to engage in appropriate skills instead of engaging in challenging behavior can take time for children and often does. The first couple of weeks that you're working on it, you might not see really consistent changes but it's more over time that you would see changes in challenging behavior and appropriate skills such as communication. And that's where really sticking with any strategies you learn from professionals and from other resources, sticking with them over time, as long as nothing, and this is where we'll get into more severe challenging behavior, always going and asking professionals if you need it, but sticking with the strategy as much as you can over time is really, really important. And also thinking about as far as being comfortable with the long amount of time that it can take, thinking about how can I keep track of my child's progress in a way that will be motivating for me can be really helpful as well. So... Writing a journal for yourself about your child's progress or how they're doing on different days so that you can remember where they started and how far they've come can be really helpful. Or even taking like video snapshots just for yourself of seeing your child's progress in certain situations may be helpful as well, just so you get to learn and see the progress that your child is making. So whatever motivates you to keep going and keep sticking with it, because we know children make, if we work and use the strategies a lot of children will make progress over time but it it won't be every single day that they make obvious progress it'll be more like over weeks or months that we see progress so i wanted to take a second on the progress part because that's a really important component i think but the second component of your question was related to more severe challenging behavior i definitely want to emphasize that any time that you see more severe challenging behavior in your home If there is a safety concern for any of your family members or for your child, that is where seeking help from professionals is really important. There are professionals in the education system that can be really helpful. There are also what are called board certified behavior analysts who are often experts in developmental disabilities and challenging behavior who can help support you and your child in creating plans to support your family and those can be really important resources to ensuring everyone stays safe. That's my biggest emphasis is when you are seeing more severe, challenging behavior that poses any kind of risk, seeking out resources to support your child and your family are really important. When we see challenging behavior that does pose a risk, and um, the first and primary concern is keeping your child and your family safe. And so whatever strategies are needed to do that is the first concern. Anytime that those are severe or consistent, that's when I would advise to seek out a professional. So I mentioned board certified behavior analysts. There are are also psychologists who have expertise in children with developmental disabilities and problem behavior or challenging behavior. And then, like I said, your school can often be a great resource as well. Uh, Nevada PEP has a lot of great resources for families as well. So one other resource that I did want to mention today is the Southern Nevada Caregiver Coaching Project. We did recently receive funding to support families of young children age zero to 10 years old with a developmental disability or delay who also engage in problem behavior. So if you're a child you think might fit those criteria. This is a project where we are working with families over video calls or telehealth technology to support families in their own home to provide evidence-based practices and positive behavior supports to their children who are engaging in problem behavior. So if that's something that's interesting to you, please reach out via the uh, resource that will be posted with this link. So we're really excited about that project as well. That's great information.
1: Thanks, Stephanie. You've shared so much helpful information with parents today about maybe how they can know if a behavior is developmentally appropriate or if it's maybe a behavior that might require more help or intervention. And helping parents understand what their child may be trying to communicate with that challenging behavior and some really great ideas of how parents can try and teach their child communication skills to replace or reduce that challenging behavior. This has been really helpful information. So I just wanted to ask in closing, if you have any final thoughts or anything else that you would like to say to our listeners today.
0: Something that I just like to share is that I know that having a child With a developmental disability diagnosis, who also engages in challenging behavior can be incredibly difficult and can be incredibly stressful. And so I just want families to know that I understand that. I think there's a lot of other families who understand that as well, and that the things that you're doing to support your child, like listening to this podcast and seeking out resources are really incredible things to support your child. And that I think that that's really great. I have to say too, and any time that we talk about challenging behavior, I know as a professional, and I know a lot of the other professionals I work with have this experience that we end up talking about the difficulties you're facing or the challenging behavior that the child is engaging in quite a lot, which can feel really heavy and really negative. But I want to say, after working with so many children and so many families, I've really loved seeing the strengths that children have and the resilience that children and families have through these circumstances, and it's really great to see. I have really enjoyed working with every child and every family that I've worked with. It's been such a a pleasure and I feel really honored to have worked with the families that I've worked with because of the great experiences I've had. And then also that I've seen all the great strengths of the children that I've worked with in the families as well.
1: Thanks so much, Stephanie. I'm glad you brought that up there because it is so important to focus on those strengths. And we have so many amazing families that we work with here at Nevada Pep that are so resilient and parents who go through so much to try and help their child. So it's great to hear that as a professional, you see that as well. Every day. Thanks so much for joining us today and for taking the time out of your day to talk to parents about this. It's such an important topic. Again, Stephanie Giroux from UNLV. We're going to go ahead and link some resources with this podcast episode. And if you have more questions or want to talk about this more, you can always call your Nevada PEP representative.